Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. Today you're going to hear an interview I did with Levi Shepherd, who is the founder of Nala. I was very honored to have her on the show because she's done so much for our industry. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is Levi. All right, Levi, so welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Um, So I always start every single episode just by going through each guest's journey in the lash industry. So will you tell us just how you got started doing lashes? Well, I guess to just keep it simply to lashes, um, my cousin got lash extensions and they looked amazing. So of course I had to have some too. And then, like most people's story, once I got my first set, I was hooked. (laughs) Uh, But all this was happening at a time I actually had just sold a business. So I was between businesses trying to look for the next exciting thing in my life, and getting lashes is what turned me on to the lash industry. In the beginning, were you just like a solo artist? Like, how did you grow from, from then? So I got my certification, I came home, started gluing all my friends' eyes shut, (laughs) Uh, and then eventually with a lot of practice, I got a little better, was ready to take on clients, and I was working out of a home-based studio, so uh, we actually dedicated one of the stories in our house. We had a contractor come in and make it all look like a proper business with reception and client washroom and the works, and it was a really sweet space. Um, I built clientele quite quickly because this was back in 2011 and there wasn't many of us doing lash extensions in Edmonton. So it's not because I was amazing. It's because there was a big demand and only so many of us offering it, but my clientele built very quickly. So I brought on my first employee here in my house. Uh, And within the first year, I actually had three staff members working for me. Wow. Um, What year was this? Um, so by the time I had all that staff would have been the, in 2012. So what do you feel like are some of the biggest changes since 2012 that you've seen in our industry? Well, definitely the quality of work. As I say, I didn't grow a successful business because I was a great artist. It was simply not very many people offering and all the clients wanted it. So it amazes me now to see student work is just beautiful. It blows my mind. I mean, I was nowhere near that even three months after taking my first course mm-hmm. because we had such, you know, I hate to use negative words, Poor but training. we had pretty terrible training back yeah. then. And there wasn't a community of people I could turn to and we didn't have lash conferences. As I say, it was just me working on my friends and doing a lot of terrible things to them. So mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely something I'm really proud to see how far we've come and new artists they're definitely getting off on a better foot than some of us older girls. Absolutely. Um, is, is that like the inspiration behind Nala? Like how did that all come about? Whose idea was that? Well, I'd love to share this story. Actually, it's a, I had a business coach at my lash and brow studio Mm -hmm. and one day we were having a conversation and, you know, just looking for the next thing. What's my next move? How do I keep growing? And the conversation goes, she says to me, Levi, I'm really tired of people talking about their passion. This word has been so overdone. Passion, passion, passion. She said, I want to know what pisses you off. Mm. 
And that question just had me reeling. I could just go on and on and on about poor education and oversaturated market and lack of regulations. And Mm -hmm. as I started rambling on, she just looked at me and said, that's your business. Go fix that. I bet it upsets other people too. Smart. Yeah. Also terrifying. It actually took me a year to get up the guts to do it. When she Mm -hmm. said it, I knew she was right, but I just kept hoping someone else was going to do it. Yeah. Um, how long has Nala been around now? Um, actually two days ago we celebrated our third birthday. Okay. Wow. Um, I feel like it has grown a lot because I hear a lot more people either being a part of it or being, um, like accredited. So, um, how, how has that journey been so far? It's actually interesting. When Nala launched in 2016, uh, my board members and I, we had this idea of how we felt we could serve the industry through offering some regulatory guidelines and membership and accreditation. But when we launched, what we really did was just start listening. So as soon as Nala showed up on the scene, a lot of people had questions. There were a lot of requests of different things asking us, can you do this? Can the association help with that? Mm-hmm. So in a very short time, we just started evolving the association to accommodate what the industry told us they needed us to do for them. So you guys, y'all do like mentorships and um, y'all also do like the NALA awards. Like what, what type of things um, can, you know, an artist utilize to like get involved or like even get accredited and, and stuff like that? So the first thing we offer uh, is membership for Lash artists. So if you're working as an artist and you're taking on clients, the Nella membership, it has an application process. So you go through a process to show us that you qualify and meet the standards. That consists of submitting an online exam, and there's 20 questions in the exam, more like a questionnaire, uh, where you would talk to us about your daily practices, your decontamination processes, other health and safety concerns. And then you submit three before and after photos of work on your clients. And then we're looking for two videos. This is how we avoid having to come to you and watch you do your work. Uh, In the video, you'll introduce yourself and then do a close-up of your client's lashes to show us your ability to properly isolate and safely and accurately apply an extension or a fan. The second video We call it our picking video, where we ask you to pick through the full set with your tweezers to show us that your client has no stickies. So this is our way of verifying that a lash artist is credible and professional and integral, and then you become a qualified member. I kind of love how you guys, the sticky thing is really one of my biggest pet peeves that like an artist can be really, really great. And then, um, like I've had my lashes done by many people and even in other States. And a lot of times like you think um, so highly of someone's work and then come to find out when you actually start digging through it, there's, they're like all stuck together. And that completely like takes away all the uh, beauty behind it, I believe. So I love that you guys actually look for that too. Yeah, we definitely agree. I mean, a beautiful set of lashes that takes a great shot for your Instagram account is one thing. But something we have to remember as lash artists is that it's not our job to make our uh, competitors jealous of us or to show off to our peers. Our job is to serve our client. And we need to do that in a healthy and safe manner. 
I love that. Um, so what other ways can artists get involved with? Um, so I think I've been saying it wrong. It's not Nala, like the Lion King. It's Nala. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Actually, I find most of the Americans call us Nala and the Canadians say Nala. I see. Okay. So what can, what other ways can artists get involved with Nala? So the membership is for the artist and then we have a couple of resources for educators or aspiring educators. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something I, maybe I shouldn't get too deep into the detail because we're relaunching our entire educators program in September. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you a little bit more about the new program which is you have the option to take our educators prep course either online or on campus. So this is kind of exciting. We're really looking forward to offering a three-day on-campus training for educators. And then the package also includes the accreditation process for your academy. I feel like uh, you guys are doing so much and y'all have even like the NALA awards and the conference and was this the third year that you guys just did it? So we just completed our second annual and congratulations on your award, Shelby. (laughs) Thank you so much. I was like, I was kind of shocked. I thought I I didn't, I didn't think I was going to get it, but I was really happy. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well deserved. (laughs) A lot of people assume that I choose the winners and I don't. We have of course a whole committee for that. It's so Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I think like our goal with our international industry awards was we really wanted the awards to be based on merit. Mm-hmm. So as you know, after the process, you had to go through a full application yeah. process and we sort of scrutinize the business and depending on the awards, some of the applications for our nominees are, can be pretty intense. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we're talking about Academy of the year, you, you know, oh, yeah. you have to let us into your world. We have to see your curriculums. We have to, we have to know everything about your business to give you, such a a big honor and a gracious title. Uh, It's a lot of work for us, but we love it. We love it. Do you ever get any, I'm just curious, do you ever get like pushback from, um, what are they called? Uh, Nominees that like don't want to send in those things because they like fear it getting stolen. Like, do you ever get people that like don't want to do that? I do actually. Uh, We, we, have concern mostly for the curriculum type stuff. Mm-hmm. So our committee, so we have 13 people on the committee and they do remain anonymous because they don't want to be hassled by any nominees, things like that. So we did agree to keep them anonymous, but half of my committee are non-industry personnel. Oh, so those volunteers are the only ones that review curriculum. Of course, everyone has a confidentiality agreement that I had written up by my lawyers so everyone is very strictly bound to contracts and yeah, we never show curriculum because it's sensitive information. You don't want to share your curriculum with potential competitors. So mm-hmm. we have, we have non-industry personnel to review that. That's really smart. So aside from the like gala and award ceremony and all that, um, you also get invited to speak and judge pretty often as well. Um, for people who aspire to be a speaker one day or people that maybe already are doing it, do you have advice for public speaking in our industry? I think the best advice I could share with somebody who wants to get on stage is that you just need to be really confident in your knowledge of your topic. So when I go on stage, I'm terrified. I feel sick to my stomach. It's, I mean, 
you're never going to not be nervous <laughs> go on stage. But I go up, I'm, I'm willing to do it because I know whatever the audience asks me, well, within my topic, I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I find that it's almost impossible to find the nerve to get up there if you're not confident in what you're, in what you're discussing. Like a lot of times when I'm on stage, I'm usually doing things about your business or optimizing your business. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to work as an accountant. So optimizing your business to maximize sales and reduce costs. Like that's, that's my thing. So I get on stage and I, I work really hard on my presentations. It takes months to build them. I practice them, but then I go on stage and there's no script. I'm just talking. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. I get extremely nervous to go on stage. Um, I feel like five minutes in, it gets a lot easier, but I don't, I, I'm like not sure if that ever, that feeling right before is ever going to go away, but I'm okay with that. It, it's really fun. It's kind of like a roller coaster. Would you say like afterwards you're like, okay, I could do that again. Definitely. It's <laughs> such a high. And then um, honestly, Shelby, when you get off the stage and people come to you and tell you what an impact you just had on them with your words, it brings me to tears, which mm-hmm. is cool, but it does. And it, it just, it means so much. If one mm-hmm. person in the audience, you know, I recently did a really emotional speech on stage, which that was terrifying. I was shaking because I was being really vulnerable. I shared a lot about my personal life. I cried a little, Uh, But in the end, the goal was to inspire them. And I had so many people grateful for that. And just they just felt connected to me because they had a similar story. There's just nothing better. Nothing better. Yeah, I I agree. Um, So uh, is there anything else with Nala that you guys offer or that um, you want to point out? So I just want everybody to know that the decontamination guide, our professional guidelines, a lot of the information about health and safety, you don't have to be a member to access that. This is information that we want everyone to know. So if you go to the website, it's there. You can find it. If you're not sure if you were taught properly how to disinfect your tweezers or how to keep your space sanitary, it's, it's just there for you to read it. And I hope everyone will implement that into their businesses. It's, uh, it's always a boring conversation to talk about infection control or health and safety, but it, we have a responsibility to our clients, and I think it's better to do a little more than you think you should so mm-hmm. that there's never room for doubt. You just know that what you're doing is clean and sanitary. I'll link that in the show notes that, so that people can read it too. Okay, great. Yeah, and for anyone wondering, I mean, sometimes we get questioned, like, how did you come up with these guidelines? Mm-hmm. Um, Nala, all of our professional guidelines, our membership requirements, our accreditation applications, everything that we require of people, it comes from five years of global research. So I have spent countless, countless thousands of hours interviewing people around the world interviewing people in the lash industry, in the beauty industry in general. This is where all this information comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a a collaboration of research about standards, about hygiene, infection control, what should be taught in our training courses. I think I got some of the best information just from interviewing lash artists and discussing with them. Now that you've been an artist for two years, what do you realize you should have been taught in your training courses? I see. Is it, um, is it pretty difficult for uh, a brand or for a company to like get in the door? Um, like how hard is it to become accredited? 
because NALA standards are so incredibly high and we demand a lot of our accredited academies, it's not easy, but we don't turn anybody away. We're not going to just tell you that you failed. Uh, what happens when you apply for accreditation for your training programs, we review them thoroughly. It takes quite a long time. And then we send you back a fully detailed report of exactly what changes need to happen so that you can qualify. And then you just get a free reapply. You make the changes, you resubmit, and then you're good to go. I like that. Um, so I want to kind of switch gears. So how do you feel about, um, we kind of just touched on this, the fact that there's so many training courses out there and there's another one popping up every day. Um, and you know, there are people that they aspire to be trainers and to travel and train or, or whatever they want to do. Um, but what, what advice do you have for those people to go about it the right way from the beginning and maybe not rush into it? So the first thing I always want to say to people is to ask yourself, why do you want to be an educator? Because if you're just doing the math and thinking you're going to make more dollars per hour training instead of lashing, that is not the reason to get into this. Mm -hmm. If you eat, breathe, and sleep, the thought of wanting to share your trade with new people and help them succeed, and you're dedicated to being their mentor for however long they need you to be, then maybe education is a path you should go down. You just really have to do it for the right reasons. And if you've decided you are doing it for the right reasons, then I highly recommend taking a prep course, taking an educator's course. And uh, so the, the steps, I kind of have them on the new website coming out as I talked because we're changing our resources for educators. But step one, take the prep class because there's so much more to teaching lash extensions than just showing someone how to apply lash extensions. Yeah. And, but a lot of us don't realize that because that's all we were taught in our courses. Yeah. And really important for our industry and our future that we don't just keep repeating that. Don't just teach your students what you were taught in your courses. You need to update it, upgrade it, add more content. So the educators prep courses will help guide you through everything you should be teaching them. But it, like in our Nala educators course, we also teach you about copyright and trademark and expanding and insurance and all the different business licenses you need if you're going to be a traveling school. We just we get into all the detail about the things that maybe you weren't thinking about because you were just excited to teach, but there's yeah more things you need to know. You said uh, first ask yourself like why you want to do it um, to make sure it's for the right reasons. Are there any other ways that they can like to know whether they're ready or not? Yeah, it's also how much time are you, do you have to dedicate to this? Because if you're still lashing 60 hours a week, then you don't have the space and time in your life to teach and mentor somebody else towards their success. Mm -hmm. um, I do also believe you should have a lot of experience. I mean, some people are just a natural and they're really great at lashes three months out of the gate. But until you've had a lot of experiences dealing with different situations with clients, dealing with different concerns like allergies and infections, and yeah. I mean, these things, they just come with time. The more sets of lashes you do, the more likely you've come across different scenarios. Mm -hmm. You need to know that you have more knowledge than your students because that's what they're paying you for. Right. Um, are you guys trying to like help out schools too or like get their education better? We are. So... Um, 
NELA is an international accreditation agency. And so we will do accreditation. If you created a training program, we can accredit that for you. But we also have a specialized programming accreditation that beauty schools can apply for where we accredit just that specialty program of lashes. It's difficult because you know, beauty schools have to be accredited. So mm -hmm. when they teach someone lashes, they're calling that accredited education, but the lash part isn't actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's just sort of falling under an umbrella of a generally accredited program. Right. So we are working on it, um, mostly just in Canada and the USA right now. Mm -hmm. USA is always a challenge for us because each of your states has different rules and regulations and their own little laws. Yeah. So. yeah. But we are. It is definitely on our radar. It's something my research team has been working on. Mm -hmm. And um, right now, aside from accrediting their programs, Nala has been writing a textbook for the last two years. So hopefully, oh, hopefully that will be complete soon because a lot of people keep asking for it and it's like, it's not ready. So. Yeah, I, I think like, I, you know, there's all these companies that have manuals, but like the textbooks that schools can use that, cause I asked them, I was like, why don't y'all just, you know, reach out to like a company and ask if you can buy their manuals versus this book? Like, cause this is like 10 years old and nothing in it I would listen to. And, um, there were so many parts of the book I was just like shaking my head at. And they said that it's because they're like one of the only people that have like textbooks that they're like allowed to use at the school. And I was just really disappointed to hear that, I guess. So I just like, can't wait for that to change. Yeah. It's definitely one of the things that we believe in really strongly is that if we really want to move the industry forward in a more positive way, it needs to start at the education level. Mm hmm yeah, you know, totally. it, yeah, we have a lot of support and resources for existing lash artists, but if we can make sure that every new lash artist joining our industry has the education that she needs and deserves, then imagine where we're going to be five years from now. It'll be beautiful. Right. Definitely. I've asked this a couple times on the show and I just like hearing people's answers. What advice do you have for somebody who feels like her um, area is oversaturated with clients or no, I'm sorry, with artists. My advice to anybody who wants to stand out in their community is that they need to charge more than everybody else is charging. Now you can't just raise your prices. Mm -hmm. If you're going to charge me twice as much as everybody else in the community, I need to be excited as your client to feel the value. So I am a strong believer that you can charge as much as you want as long as you back it up with the value to justify it. Definitely don't enter the price we're with them. Do not drop your prices. Demand more. Yeah, I mean, because I think uh, people do that without realizing what that other person's overhead actually is. Your prices may not even be suitable for like your own overhead. Yeah, so there's, here's a little story. One girl, uh, she started doing lashes out of her house and then her neighbor, next door neighbor, decided to do lashes as well. So she went over and introduced herself to her and said, hey, we're both doing lashes. Who do you order from? Maybe if we order in bulk, we can save on shipping costs. And they became friends. And they both are fully booked out constantly. They live right next door to each other. There are more than enough clients for everybody. Yeah. I mean, everybody and their daughter wants lashes. We don't have to compete. We don't have to price drop. And I understand, you know, you say to them, just 
raise your prices and back it up with value. And that scares the heck out of a lot of people. They're like, Levi, you're crazy. I can't do that. <laughs> but it's, it really is the only way to stand out. If your market is actually saturated and that's just not what you think it is, then the only way to stand out is to be the elite, be the most expensive and yeah. the heck out of your clients. Yeah. My yeah. daughter's in hairstyling and she, it's like, you know, clients know the difference between going to Supercut for a $20 haircut yes. or I go to my daughter for $200 haircut. I get a completely different service. I get a completely different haircut. And there's something prestigious about going to the fancy salon instead of standing in line and taking a number at Supercuts. Absolutely. Sorry, Supercuts, no offense. Just <laughs> in every industry, there's going to be clients who want to go to the in and out shop for $3. And there's going to be the clients that want to be pampered and be able to say that they go to the most elite studio in town. Decide how much money you want to make and then charge right. that and market to those clients, the clients who will appreciate the extra value. There you go. Yeah. Um, so my very favorite question that I ask in every single episode is what is your favorite failures? Um, yeah, so my favorite failure is moving to a retail space from my home studio. And I went from pocketing thousands of dollars every month to having to personally finance my business. Yeah. And that doesn't sound like a good mistake to make, but um, I actually love all of my failures. That's, I mean, if you learn from your mistakes, I am definitely an expert by now <laughs> in life and business in everything. But that, that taught me so much because, well, one, I had to dig myself out of it. So I learned a lot about business from trying to turn that around. And now that I'm running Nala, like the ego in me really wants to have a big fancy office and all my staff come to work and we're so elegant but the reality is I work from home. All of my staff work from home because mm -hmm. why spend $10,000 in overhead? We yeah. would have to raise our membership prices. We would have to put everything back up. So I think sure. that's my favorite mistake. I mean, it definitely hurt my bank account for a long time, but I'm okay now. And I, I preach about it a lot in my uh, optimization and business courses. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to help other people learn from my mistakes. Well, also, do you feel like um, sometimes whenever you lose money doing something, don't you feel like you end up learning how to be a better businesswoman to like recover from that? And so you end up running your salon better too? Absolutely. This is yes. why I, say, like, I actually love all of my failures. Mm -hmm. um, even when I was teaching lash extensions, the students that just seemed to pick it up right away, they didn't learn as much as the students that were struggling. Like the girl who's messing it up when I have to show her how to correct it and how to fix that mistake, I felt I always felt like she got a better education than the girl that just had a yeah. great model and everything went well for her. Yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, so my last question, do you have a favorite quote or do you have a motto or just like words that you live by? Um, anybody who knows me will tell you I'm always saying to them, anything worth doing is scary. So you have to feel the fear and do it anyways. If you're not scared or uncomfortable, then you're not growing and you're not moving forward. And I think that's what life is about. You should be a little uncomfortable. And if you want to do something, but you're terrified, do it. Because it's probably exactly what you should be doing. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for listening today. And any relevant links to this episode will be in the show notes below. I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you soon.